Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson, and I'm your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and the benefit of God's people. Here, we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you would also think would benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode in particular greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, today I'm excited about our conversation. This is going to be one of our roundtable episodes. We've had a few of these in the life of the podcast, and I'm joined by three ladies um, here at Believers Baptist Church, and I'm looking forward to this. We're doing this episode and having this conversation in light of Mother's Day 2023 coming up in just a couple of weeks, and um, all that comes with that. I know that, you know, I've, I've been involved with church life for many, many years, and when Mother's Day comes around, there's all sorts of emotions and, and feelings, some of... Um, are warm, you know, we all, uh, some of us have warm memories of our mothers or those types of things, but also it can be a little bit sad at times, Um, maybe the loss of a mother or um, not fond memories of one's own mother and those types of things. And so um, we wanted to have a conversation today just talking about biblical womanhood instead of having the focus be on motherhood, which is a whole other separate uh, conversation to be had. And actually, we've done one of those early on in the podcast. Um, If my notes, I believe we had one on motherhood on episode 33, if you'd like to check that out. But before we dive in today, I'd love for our three ladies who are joining me today to introduce, and we'll start with you. My name is Linda Brindle, and I think I was probably asked to be on this panel because I've been a woman for over three quarters of a century. <laughs> uh, and I'm uh, Natalie Slaymaker, married to Kyle Slaymaker, and I'm a mama of three boys. <laughs> and I'm Trisha Alexander, and I just want to say I love our church's podcast, and mm-hmm. so I'm I'm glad to be here today. Um, I probably won't like this one as well as I like the others. <laughs> hey, I've got to listen to all of them. <laughs> it's tough to listen to yourself. Yeah, but mm-hmm. ladies, I am so thankful that you've agreed a little bit on short notice. But um, three ladies I, I'm happy to sit around the table with to talk about this particular topic. So we're obviously going to be talking about biblical womanhood and affirming that. But before we jump in, just to kind of get our conversation going, a little bit of an icebreaker. I want to ask you a very important question. Would you rather fly on a plane or take a road trip in a car for your ideal trip transportation? This is a very, very difficult question to answer. Who wants to go first? I'd much rather go in a car because you can be much more spontaneous and you get to see the scenery. I like and that it's answer. More about the destination. Uh, it's more about the trip than the destination. Fascinating mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Natalie, Trisha, do y'all have any perspectives on that? A road trip for me, for sure. I grew up going on a two-week vacation with my dad, and he was the best road trip vacation person. um, That, uh, and it was such a privilege to go on those vacations with him every year. Uh, And so Royce and I have just kind of kept that up. Royce actually went on a road trip with my dad and my family the first couple of years we were married, and. Uh, cool. So All right. So two for the road yeah. trip option. I think I may have to say road trip also. Okay. All right. Same thing. You yep. get to see the sites and, you know, if you have a good road trip partner, good conversations. and. I would say mm-hmm. that the who you're riding with yes. makes yes. all the difference. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think every mm-hmm. one of us has been on a bad road trip, at least <laughs> yes. at some point. And you're like, how long is this road trip going to be? This is miserable right now. I joke, I joke. But yeah, absolutely. I would say the same. Um, I, I, I'm kind of weird. I, I like the convenience of a, of a plane because mm-hmm. you can get there and get back. But the road trip um, allows for good conversation. I know my wife and I have had some of our best conversations in a car driving straight for six hours, mm-hmm. you know, and 
that is just there. You, you can't get that rede- or you can't redeem that time any other better way in my mind. Because mm-hmm. you're able to. Life is yes. driving, so now you life can is stopped stop. mm-hmm. really during that mm-hmm. during that road trip. Right? So mm-hmm. yeah, very good. Okay, another kind of a maybe a more difficult question to answer, but not everyone has to answer. But thought this might be interesting. What's the best piece of just general life advice you received? Maybe you received something at high school graduation or grandma or a dad or something, uh, maybe in the workforce you received some information or good advice. What do you got? I wasn't walking with the Lord um, when my husband and I got married. I was um, 17, and I remember this lady telling me that um, if I wanted a marriage to endure, um, that I needed to build my marriage on on the Lord and, and God's Word. And... I, that came back to me like every time we would get in a fight, I would think, oh, I, I need to figure out what God's word says about this. You know, not that I was doing that yet, but her advice, if I could track her down and tell her how helpful that advice was, wow, I would amazing. love that. What a testimony there. Cool. Yeah. All right. Either of you other two ladies, can you think of anything? As a textbook codependent, probably it's not about you. It was the most mm-hmm. life-changing sentence I ever read in a book. Okay. It's mm-hmm. not about you? Mm-hmm. That is a great piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> Multi-application. I, Natalie, you have I don't know think? if I can say a general piece of advice. I could more think I have seen this modeled, more of um, just being content in oh, all man. things. And mm. I some great family that just, you witnessed that. So I don't know if they really said that, but that's mm. what I perceive and receive just content. being content I like in that. all circumstances yes mm-hmm. yes well wow, that's really good mm-hmm. okay well ladies we're here to talk about biblical womanhood specifically today and we're going to look at some uh, biblical texts and we several of us have our bibles open and so this will be a really good but i want to begin with a quote by a familiar name to many of you elizabeth elliot i won't go into who she is you can look her up um, later on But Elizabeth Elliot, I found this really great. It's a little bit lengthy, so hang with me for a moment. Let me read this quote. And I thought this may set up our conversation really well. She writes that femininity receives. It says, quote, may it be to me as you have said, end quote. And so it takes what God gives, femininity, biblical femininity is what she's talking about here. It takes what God gives a special place, a special honor, a special function and glory, different from that of masculinity, meant to help. We are women, and my plea is, let me be a woman, holy through and through, asking for nothing but what God wants to give me, receiving with both hands and with all my heart, whatever that is. A Christian woman's true freedom lies on the other side of a very small gate, humble obedience. But that gate leads out into a largeness of life, undreamed up by the liberators of the world, to a place where the God-given differentiation between the sexes is not obfuscated, but it is celebrated, where uh, the inequalities are seen as essential to the image of God, for it is in male and female, and male as male and female as female, not as two identical interchangeable halves that the image is manifested." So basically what she is saying is she's drawing the clear distinction between um, uh, biblical masculinity and biblical femininity and saying that God has created both of these uh, uniquely in their own. We could use this visual aid of a sphere um, that these are to operate within. And they are complementary, but they are distinct and they are different. Um, This is probably the most... uh, edgy comment that I can make is that women are women (laughs) and men are men. And as Christian women, you are really tasked with this uh, forefront on the battle lines facing the culture. And I don't mean protesting, you know, some people may have the imagery of protesting with signs like something that came out of the late 60s or 70s or even in the 90s, these second and third wave feminism movements. But I mean protesting in in a peaceful way in the sense of living in such a way as to model biblical femininity, biblical womanhood. And so I want us to kind of do a quick survey 
to get our conversation going. But before we, we jump in here, do you have any thoughts about this quote from um, Elizabeth Elliot? Anything come to mind? Just jump in. Well, who would have thought that saying uh, male is male and female is female would be controversial, mm -hmm. but it's certainly a controversial <laughs> <is>. statement yes. <laughs> right now. Absolutely. Well, we want to look at um, Genesis chapter 2, where we see is the beginning of our conversation. It must be. We have to root all of our conversation about uh, uh, manhood and womanhood, male and female, in Genesis, and you can even go back to Genesis chapter 1 specifically. God created in uh, Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then we jump forward to chapter 2, uh, that we see that woman was designed particularly for a very specific purpose. God created Adam, and then saw that Adam did not have a helpmate, did not have someone to uh, do life with. All of the other animals had a partner, and Adam did not. And so God said, this is not good. And he created a woman out of man and for man. And we find that same concept reiterated and affirmed by Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 9, that woman was made for man. And this, of course, is talking in general categories. Um, and this has been so misused and uh, conflated and uh, confused even in our culture about what this means that woman was made for man. And a lot of times it's taken in the most uh, most negative sense that it could possibly be read in. Yeah. And it says, women, you, you know, God really has kind of given you the, the, the poor hand here, you know. And so just uh, thoughts here. I want to, we're going to kind of just walk through this step by step. Any, any thoughts about this first opening pages of scripture, Genesis 1 and 2? Well, my first thought is, woman is a gift to man man we just had to take what was there <laughs> <laughs> you're very right that it was a gift very very true that's very true any other thoughts with genesis 1 and 2 when i think by nature we women we do want to help people Mm -hmm. um, men are doing tasks and women just by nature we want to fill in and help we're looking for the mm -hmm. needs right mm -hmm. yes to come alongside and just help mm -hmm. and not to jump too far ahead in your uh, agenda of covering things the roles of men and women are set in the Bible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when we began to vary from those mm -hmm. when Women started wanting men to be more sensitive, more like women in their reactions. And women were supposed to be stronger and more like men. That's when confusion came into society. You're exactly when right. People didn't know who they were. People mm -hmm. talk about, you know, I have to go find myself. If we'd stuck with the Bible, you'd know who you were. <sighs> that's, that's about the best thing I think that could have been said right there. Thank yes. you for adding that. It's really, really good. Yes, and, and we, we live today, and I, I don't want to harp on this much. We all know this to be true, but we live in a day where we live in a topsy-turvy or upside-down world where everything that God has said is good and purposed for one way or the other. Our world says, no, we actually want the exact opposite. It's an absolute direct subversion, uh, toppling over what God has, has deemed. And what you said is, um, our culture for a long time has said women uh, women want men to be more feminine. We need more fem. We're tired of this toxic masculinity, right? That's a buzzword in the last decade or so. Um, toxic masculinity. It's we don't need more of that. This is what the culture says. We need women to rise up and men to be stuffed down. We've had the man has had his time. Now it's woman's. It's the women's time, right? To rule and reign and you know. All of that. I don't want to chase that rabbit, but you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. We already have all that we need to know and to rest in knowing that God has created us male and female. And the rest of Scripture teaches us, you know, its foundation is found in Genesis 1 and 2. And then we see it does not take long at all for that. So it's been said that feminism was born in the garden. You know, this whole concept of subversion of the creation order. That 
women need to rule men. And we have even part of the curse uh, is that uh, in Genesis 3, 16, God says to the woman, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing and pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So we have in the garden this, this concept of feminism is rising up, right, to topple the creation order. And so any thoughts there? As we, and we'll jump to, uh, we'll skip to the middle of the Bible in a few minutes. Um, I just have some, when, so as we do have this blueprint of man and woman, and I don't know if our, our culture has lied to the woman and said, well, you won't be happy if you live that way. And if you are doing things by God's design, you will have more joy and satisfaction because you are doing it by our creator's design. Yes. So, yes, when you go against that, there is... Chaos. All kinds of chaos. chaos. All kinds of chaos that we are seeing. And lots seeing. of anger. Mm -hmm. You see and lots anger, of anger right. in mm -hmm. the people that are trying to reverse order mm -hmm. um, because that's that's what it instills. Mm -hmm. and, and we know. We feel that unrest. When we're walking in that, we feel that angst. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think like every good thing, I would say that this creation order is a good thing because God mm -hmm. has designed it this way. We would say this is a good thing, a good um, pattern for us to live by, but like every good thing, we know how to, uh, to just the old trite saying, this is why we can't have good things, right? Because they always get broken or ruined, right? Uh, as moms, I know you've thought that at least. Uh, this is why we have cheap furniture, or this is why, <laughs> you know, because it gets, but we, as humanity, we take what God has given to us as good gifts, and we are so quick to abuse them. And so, yes, it is true that this created order, although it is still applicable and, and, and good for humanity today, it certainly has been abused, I think, on both sides. Um, we have men who don't lead, and we have women who want to lead, um, and who are angry, and who are uh, cynical, and we have men who are passive. And of course, that's not the, uh, the emphasis for the episode, but of course it has been abused. And we do need to acknowledge that just just if we were to say, this is how you ought to live, and go do this, that doesn't fix what sin mm -hmm. always mm -hmm. corrupts. And so, uh, great, great insights there. Okay, so let's fast forward to Proverbs 31. Now, Proverbs 31 We've all heard sermons. Actually, I'm, I'm remembering a wonderful sermon by our own pastor, Jason, last Mother's Day. Preached an excellent sermon. Um, I even remember some of that even today, a year later. I thought it was really, really helpful. But Proverbs 31 is, in, to my understanding, the most comprehensive treatment about what it is to be a woman. Uh, and it, it is specifically couched within the realm of the home a husband and wife situation, but I think that this pattern and these qualities are promoted by and and to be sought out by every woman, no matter the age or situation in life. Would you ladies agree with this with that assessment of Proverbs thirty one? It's a hard model to live up to. <laughs> Women tend to beat each other up with this Proverbs yes. thirty one. And I want to yes. lean into that in just a minute. Let's let's wait for a moment. Okay. That's a great thing. Let's I do want to speak to that. But just in general, would you would you agree with this is kind of if you want to know where the Bible speaks to what it mm -hmm. is to be a woman, would would you agree that this is kind of like the passage or have you ever yeah, come across any a, other texts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I and think, to, oh, I'm sorry. I think it leaves room for women to be a lot of different things, not just mm -hmm. Susie homemaker, but uh, at trading in the marketplace different things I think it it gives more leeway than people realize mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't um, represent a passive um, slave it, it, right. or a non-entity person this mm -hmm. is an active person engaging with life mm -hmm. and doing and vibrant yes yeah I, I want to so let's save the uh, Let's save what you brought up, Tricia. I think that's great, and I think we need to bring that up on this conversation. But let's let's look at it from a positive angle first. And what I want to highlight, and we're not going to read through this whole text. It's quite lengthy. 
But if you're familiar with Proverbs 31 in general, there are some, this is the most positive, most um, affirming view of womanhood that I think is just missed out on what is said positively about this, this woman here, this image. And uh, we, we have, of course, we have the, the homemaking portion of this, cooking, caretaking, cultivating in the home. But we have, she's resourceful and creative and she's driven. And of course, we have to acknowledge that, again, this is within the bounds of, of a marriage situation specifically. Um, but we have, um, she's entrepreneurial. I don't know if I said that word right, but she is looking and seeking to make, uh, make the world around her a better place constantly. So there's a, uh, there's a, a positive, um, and I, I'm not going to use the word, the word empower has been hijacked. <laughs> <laughs> okay? So we have to be really careful. Culture has hijacked that word. But I'm going to use it here in, the, in light of Scripture that, that Scripture has empowered a woman and given her um, drive and, and uh, a, a love for life. This woman here loves life. She loves what God has given her and she takes what God has given her and utilizes it and does more with it. I'm, t- I'm thinking about the parable of the talents where the, uh, the, the servant was given one, five, and ten. And this, this woman here is taking the, the ten talents and multiplying the talents. She's taking what she's given and being a good steward of what she has. So all those, I'd love to hear your thoughts about that, and then we'll talk about, we'll come back to what Tricia has said. Uh, but any positive comments about Proverbs 31? Well, I, I just want to maybe encourage some of our listeners that you hear that Proverbs 31, you're like, oh. Well, if you read it, you are probably already doing a lot of these things. You're managing your home. You're caring for your children. So don't run away from that. Keep reading into it. You do good to your husband. And, I mean, obviously we could always do better, but but don't run away from when you hear that Proverbs 31. Like, oh. This yeah. perfect woman where you've already, you're, you're doing many of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and read over it and just, you know, areas that you, you could improve on. And um, so, yeah, that's what I would. That's say. good. Yeah. Linda, do you have any comments there or Tricia? Well, the only thing I, that struck me right away is I remember hearing a preacher uh, bring a message on this. And he talked about this part where it says uh, she brings her food from afar and he compared that to looking at the grocery coupons and going to the, get the best <laughs> getting the best food or going you know yeah, yeah. all of us have a favorite store where we get this because they have the best tomatoes or of course whatever yeah. and go to the different things and he compared that so there if you look at it and take it into a modern context uh it's it's not really as challenging as I said at first, but right. it's 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 used. I mean, the Bible is uh, appropriate for all times. Amen, mm-hmm. amen. So, yeah. and, and so it's not course, an impossible, you know. Right. There, it's really a guide, not a that. Model. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So and it's a lifetime. Yeah. I, I think sometimes yes. we look oh, at it, yeah. we go, "I've got to be doing yeah. all these things mm-hmm. today." Yes. Oh, that's and good. And this is a lifetime, mm-hmm. which is what where some of that beating each other up comes yep. from. Mm-hmm. Is we 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 put too high of expectations on ourselves and on each other yes. of saying, mm-hmm. "Why aren't you doing all of these things?" Mm-hmm. Well, we only yes. do what's in front of us today. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. True. Well, and I want to. Uh, I want to help. So when we are reading scripture, especially in the Old Testament, it's hard for us sometimes to know what to do with particular passages in the Old Testament. Sometimes it's easier to do in the New Testament than the Old, uh, just because of the type of literature. This is wisdom literature, okay? So um, Proverbs itself, although there are some very literal things in Proverbs, this is not a, uh, it isn't to be taken in the most literal way that we read like the book of 1 Samuel and the account of David's life. It's not narrative. Yeah. So this is, this is uh, uh, principally based yeah. in the character and the demeanor of a woman versus a, a checklist. This is not a mm-hmm. checklist. Mm-hmm. And so yes. I want to free up any lady who's listening to this, whatever age or whatever. Uh, Proverbs 30, God didn't give you a checklist to write on your mirror in the mornings to make sure... 
And I want to bring something up, uh, a little bit of a theological um, understanding of how we read Scripture. That would be a reading of Proverbs 31 that would be law-driven. Okay? So if we approach it in that way, it can be the most daunting thing ever to say this is how I ought to live and this is what I need to measure up to or else I'm not being a good Christian woman. That's law-driven. Okay? Now, all four of us around this table... I'm grouping myself into this conversation because I'm a Christian, <laughs> not because I'm a woman. But all four of us are regenerate, we're indwelt by the Spirit, and we are living in light of the grace of God in Christ imputed to us. And that is our driving, motivating factor, okay? So as a Christian woman today, you read Proverbs 31, or you ought to read Proverbs 31. Firstly, before you ever approach it, saying, thank you, Lord, for saving me and bringing me in, into your fold. Yeah. I am one of your sheep. You are the good shepherd, and you're guiding and leading me. So we view this not as a law passage, but as a gospel passage, in that the Spirit gives us the motivation and the ability to live in light of how God has called us to live. Does that, is that helpful to think through that? So I would never want to put this on someone and say this is you, you're not living up to this. You need to repent, and you need true, to true. you need to step mm-hmm. it up. You know mm-hmm. you're failing in this. Wow, what a terrible! <laughs> that's horrible. I would I would never want to do that to any woman, but I would encourage and say, in the Lord, you can do this. Right. Whatever you're doing now, keep doing it. And what else could you do? You know, don't look at this large list. But what's the next step? What what's the next? You know, that sort of thing. So, any thoughts about that? Well, and one thing that I have learned throughout my life is God's mission for us changes throughout our life. What might be our ministry one time might not be that is an excellent perspective. a few years later. Yeah. And, and stages of life, at one point you might uh, focus on your children and then the next on a career or you know, different things. Excellent observation there. Ladies, do you have any other, any other thoughts about um, that perspective? And just more speaking of, you know, when you, because you brought in the law, and I'm, I'm, I am right now <laughs> trying to hold, to study this whole law and gospel. I'm reading books and doing all that. But where it is, where we, when you are given a new heart, you know, you, you now love this law. You obviously will not do it perfectly, but you, you desire to, you want to do this. Um, so it's nice having this well, how do I manage my home? What what do I do? I mean, I don't want to listen to what the culture is saying, but how how do I do this? And it's nice having this. This is how you it should be, or how it, it you know. And again, it, every household's going to be different. Your yes. house is going to be different. My house. I mean, but you find uh, you and your husband together how you want to manage your yes. home, and this is you know having this a blueprint like this. Yes, it's helpful. Yeah, that's really that's good. Mm-hmm. Trish, you have anything there? Um, just one thing that comes to mind here is that, um, this virtuous wife, she's taking care of her husband, her family, her community. And so we all have circles that we take care of and we pay the most attention to those people that are within our home, but our outreach extends beyond that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and so I love the verse. Um, I, I don't know, my eyes are not laying on them right now, but the, 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 in Proverbs 31, uh, there is a full trust of her husband mm-hmm. to take care of the affairs of the home. Verse 11. Um, and that is such a impactful verse for me as a man specifically. I, I, I want to point something out too. I don't know if you have ever noticed this, but the very first verse of Proverbs 31 it says the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that who taught him? His mother. So this is actually, this isn't from Solomon or a king. This is, this is a mother's wisdom to a son. So a mother is giving her son wisdom about the woman he needs to yeah. look for. That's right. a really interesting, and I'm immediately drawn, this is a bit of a tangent, but I'm immediately drawn to first or Second Timothy where Paul commends... Um, uh, Eunice. Eunice and Lois, grandmother mm-hmm. and mother, mm-hmm. who taught Timothy in the home. Mm-hmm. I, I'm immediately drawn to this, is that we have even this connection throughout Scripture that there is an intentional and very specific 
role in which um, mothers and even grandmothers play in the raising up of the children in the home in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, teaching them of things. Right. So right. side note, sorry, but uh, there's a full trust of the husband, although the husband has obviously roles in that to play as well and father, but the, the husband has a trust that he can go do his, what he needs to get done in the city and in the affairs of life and that his wife is taking care of, there's, there's no angst there. Uh, the word you used earlier, I like that our tension. Um, there's a, this, these two spheres, the husband and the wife are operating and they're functioning and they're, they're working together, but in separate, uh, it's a beautiful thing, right? Because the husband can't do everything and neither can the wife. And that's what makes um, single parent homes so, uh, my heart breaks, my heart hurts. I was raised in a single parent home and it, it places burdens upon the single parent that they were never meant to bear, never meant to bear. And I know that's a product of so many components. And so mm-hmm. we want to acknowledge the even more difficulty for even a single woman raising children. And well, is the same standard for me? Well, in one sense, yes, it is. But in another sense, you have to take your scenario, like you said, and do it to the best of your ability mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. Lord. And so it will look differently than um, a two-parent household versus right. a, so right. well, lots of I things there. Sorry. I hadn't thought about it until you were uh, till something you said, but this would be something good, like for young people. Um, uh, as a as a young lady, um, ask yourself: Am I living for others, or am I living to please myself? Because um, that's certainly what she's doing: is she's living for others, and through that, yeah. we um, we are fulfilled by um, you know loving others, but also young men. Like look for the the young ladies you're looking at. Yes. Who are they serving? Are yes. they serving themselves? So you would say that one of the cultural kind of hot button or hot topics of the day is self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there that's that's a whole that's a that's a whole realm of life, self-care. And that everything is about how I can thrive as a woman and how I can survive. I can be a survivor. You know, that kind of language is thrown out and you know, I've I've had all of this stuff thrown my way and I'm I'm resilient. I can thrive and that's, that's a self-motivated lifestyle in general. I mean, that's even trickled over into, mm-hmm. into guys as well. But I know that it's particularly um, within the realm of, of femininity and uh, womanhood within a worldly standard right now. Um, I know that, that is, that's, that's happening. And so, yes, obviously this woman is taking care of herself, but she's taking care of everything else too. <laughs> she's, this, what I see is a woman who is like strong, resilient, but, but in a selfless way, not yes. in a selfish way. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think those are two very different worlds. Yes. Would y'all, would y'all agree with that well, assessment? It is. It's a sacrificial love for it's her family. Yes. She's pouring herself out yes. for her family. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and again, yeah. that's, that's not, it, yes, it is tiring, but it is, it can, you know, you have kids and you're going, you're being pulled, yeah. but again, it is very, it's a joyful, satisfying thing you know you find yes. joy in that yeah and I, um, I was I had the privilege of uh, last year uh, so this is spring of 2021 um, I had one of my I'm in seminary getting my MDiv right now and I had a class and I'm trying to remember what class this I'm totally blanking right now but I was studying under Dr. Owen Strand at our seminary and he's done a lot of work in um Biblical womanhood, uh, manhood. He's published in the area. He's done lots of conferences. He's a, he's been uh, working with the Center for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood for quite some time. And anyway, he gave us a lecture, and we were talking about these things. And one thing, again, a sticky statement. I call these. I've just it's just been ringing in my mind, and it sticks. Is that um, true biblical manhood facilitates? biblical womanhood. And so we, we obviously we're talking about biblical womanhood here, but what you're saying is that on the flip side of this coin is the role of the father and the Mm -hmm. husband Mm -hmm. with the wife. So this is not all, all woman driven in the sense that it's all on your shoulders to bear. Right. Right. And so there is a 
uh, that two sides to this coin. That true biblical manhood, which uh, hits the role of the home and the workplace and the ministry and all of these things, facilitates and enables biblical womanhood. So in a sense, true biblical manhood in a general way and in a particular way also facilitates this Proverbs 31 woman to fulfill her role and to fulfill what God has. Does that make, is that clear? Yes, is that yes, confusing? Yes. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's really good. Um, sometimes I'm not as well spoken as I'd like to be, but just that concept has rung true. And I, <laughs> yeah. and I, yeah. I welcome, to welcome I have all this in podcast. my head I want to say, and it comes out. <laughs> there it is. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> uh, join us, right? Uh, so anyway, that, that has been really helpful for me as a husband and as a father in our home, uh, particularly me doing what I need to be doing and what I am expected to do frees my wife to be the woman that God has called her to be. Mm -hmm. And when I am failing, she is having to pick up the slack, which means she's sacrificing something that she ought to be doing mm -hmm. in her realm, which mm -hmm. she's having to take care of stuff for me. Right. And that's mm -hmm. a failure on my part, not hers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that was just a... An eye-opening, like, oh my, I've never thought of it in that way, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm taking care of what I need to take care of and taking care of her, which is my first priority, mm -hmm. then she can be everything she needs to be in that sense. And the beauty of that is we all, husbands and wives, we all fail. That's the beauty yes. of, yes. of a godly marriage is Amen. then there's grace. Of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that comes back to this law gospel thing. Right, is if, yes. it, it applies to, and I think about marriage counseling, and I, I thought about, how this applies to even this idea of marital conflict. I think most of our marriages, our conflict stems from this concept of law and not grace and, and gospel. And if we're two, two people who are brothers and sisters in Christ in the Spirit and we're married, then our marriages should primarily be driven by gospel to overtones, not law undertones. Does that make yeah. sense? Yes. Well, you've got the, the man who focuses on the Proverbs, um, and not Proverbs, the Genesis thing that man should rule over woman. Yep. Say, oh. Instead of focusing on what Paul said, that he should love his wife mm -hmm. and give up his life for her. And that is, that is, that is literal gospel-centered and gospel-driven marriage, is that a husband ought to love himself as Christ has loved the church, mm -hmm. sacrificially. I, it, that's exactly right. Great point. Okay, so we're getting a little bit bogged down here. We're at the almost the 40-minute mark. But let's, um, let's just really quickly zoom all the way to the New Testament. Titus 2, we have to bring this text in conversation about biblical womanhood. And there's, of course, a particular context that this uh, passage finds itself in. But this is kind of the New Testament place. There are others, but New Testament place that we would go to to see. And I, let me read this, uh, a little bit shorter text. To be read. So I'll be reading just from Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And again, this is a pastoral epistle uh, from Paul to Titus. Uh, he's speaking to a pastor. And so this is how Titus ought to teach his um, people within his church specifically. And that, of course, is applied to all churches with believing Christians. So uh, chapter 2, verse 3 says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior. Not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. And here's the reason why. That the word of God may not be reviled. And I, I think that's really interesting because in throughout Titus, in this short epistle, um, there's this contrast and this affirmation that um, living in such a way that does not subvert God's word. Godly living in affirmation of his word. And so when we live contrary to what God has given to us, either as men or as women or as children, then it necessarily uh, undermines and uh, brings shame upon the word of God. So our godly living and sound doctrine go together, right? Teach what accords with sound doctrine. So if you're teaching something and your life does not accord with it, you're subverting the sound doctrine. Yeah. Um, so there's this uh, back and forth in the, in the book of Titus. It's really neat. So he brings this in specifically to the realm of womanhood. And I, I guess you could maybe make a case 
that this could be applicable to the church life, but I think this is more broadly speaking to life in general that, that Paul is teaching Titus to teach the women. So you see this order of command, right? There's this from God to Paul to Titus to the, to the, um, the women in the church, older and younger. So there's this chain of, <laughs> chain of command, chain of authority here that can be seen. But any thoughts about this Titus 2 passage that might be uh, helpful as you have thought about it, as you have been confronted with it in your life as, as women? That verse 4, um, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. At some point years ago, that just like slapped me. I was like, oh, we don't know how to love our husbands and children. Like that's not in our nature. Um, when, when just the world loves, you know, uh, worldly love for husbands and children is what benefit do I get from them? But God's love is how do I care for them? How do I nurture them? Um, and that's what we're called to do is we're literally called a lot of the dysfunction in families comes from a lack of teaching women how to love their husbands and children. Mm, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's also the misunder, not misunderstanding, but where love is the emotion. Well, yes. love's, you know, there is emotion there, but you're, this is what you're, you're yeah. doing. You're, you, you're sacrificing. Love is sacrificial. Yeah. Love is a verb. And it's the verb is a verb. Do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's not something you feel. Yeah. Right. Because sometimes it's <laughs> if, hard to, yeah. to keep picking up those dirty socks. Yes. <laughs> Again, but Absolutely. that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because if it's contingent upon how I feel, then there are lots mm-hmm. of days that I am very unloving. Well, and especially <laughs> as women, sometimes we do have to have we have to be self-controlled. Our emotions can be, you know, up and down. We, mm-hmm. you know, we, so we are to be self-controlled and yeah. 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 I think real quickly, I think that's also why Paul, uh, or I'm sorry, Peter does not also tell the man in the same sense. He does tell man to be self-controlled, but I think mm-hmm. it's in a different sense, but he tells uh, the man in first Peter three to live with their wife in an understanding way because men are naturally more hard mm-hmm. and more aggressive it's just built, we're wired that, and that's actually a good thing. Um, that's not a bad thing. That's right. Yeah. Um, robust masculinity is a good God-given trait, but at the yeah. same time, it also ought to be self-controlled in the sense of our wives are kind of the, the, the opposite of that and can be more emotional than the husband. And so there's a, careful with the word compliment, but there's a, there's a, two opposing uh, tendencies to fall into a ditch. One, emotionalism, and the other is being just a hard shell, tough, you know. (laughs) And so there's a, I love how they're both things addressed specifically to the different masculine and and feminine tendencies. Do you have anything for us, uh, Linda? Well, just uh, when it says for the older women to teach the younger women, it's not that we're any smarter it's that we've had longer to make the mistakes <laughs> and figure out what doesn't work yes. and to realize that God put these instructions in here for a reason. And if yes. we'll just follow the instruction book, yeah. then it works better. Yeah, and I have been so encouraged. Uh, I don't know how long you have been doing this specifically. Um, there's a young lady that you're mentoring. Um, Nine, this is our ninth year. Ninth year. Okay, so just a few weeks you've been doing yes. this. <laughs> Um, you have been faithful in, I guess, kind of being a surrogate mother, grandmother figure in her life. Remind me her name. Or Molly. She, Molly, that's right. I'm guessing she won't mind if we mention no, her name. she won't. Um, I know that she loves you, and you have really come into her life uh, and are, in a, in a certain way, you're fulfilling this verse. Now, she's not within the life of our specific church context, but you are fulfilling that this is a role that God has uh, called you as a woman to do and you're engaging in it. Yes. And I commend that. So, Thank you. you know, not to highlight you there, you know, in, in an unwise way, but really, um, I'm so thankful to see that. It's oh, a joy. It, it has been a blessing to me just to watch her grow and, I, and I can imagine. to see her. She's about to graduate yeah. and she's about to go to uh, college next year and study nursing. Okay. Well, praise God. And you, so you've been with her since if she, fourth grade. Uh, oh my goodness. Wow. I was going to say <laughs> nine ish, eight ish, nine ish years old, something it's like nine. that. Wow. 
You had something. Well, I do. I just have to plug Wednesday morning also because Linda does this. I'm sorry. I know you don't like it, but (laughs) she does an excellent job mentoring to us here at our church. The leading the Bible study. She's yes leading by example. And she does a very good job. And it's awkward for us to hear other people like thank us for the times that we serve the Lord. But it's appropriate for us Mm -hmm. to be thankful for the people that God puts into our lives. Mm -hmm. Well, and I would model the response that Tyler gives when he receives a compliment. Praise the Lord. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) There you go. That is an appropriate response. There you go. So, again, coming back to this Titus 2 passage, I, I really love the... The emphasis is, um, I think this is a complementary passage to when he uh, gives the instructions and the qualifications for an elder in a church, that the emphasis is a lot more on not what the person is physically doing, but on character and internal qualities. And I think that that needs to be highlighted here. And again, it's not a legalistic law-driven, you got to meet this standard or you're failing and you need to repent and, you know, all of these things. And of course, there is time for rebuke. I think that we can all agree that you women also need to be corrected by each other. Men, the same thing. It needs to happen all the time. So not saying that that doesn't happen, but I think as a general tenor, a general, um, what what he is talking about is teaching character, not learning how to sweep a floor or, you know, I think that's where our minds go, you know, well, and when we which were, are good things, and which yeah, yeah, exactly, but that's not even the main idea yes. focus of what he's talking about. It's just about a here. byproduct. That's a right. bingo. It's a cause and effect relationship there. Yeah. yeah. In ahead, our Linda. Matthew study, when we got to the section on church discipline, we talked about how that does not begin by you going to the pastor and telling someone. It begins in oh. our one-on-one relationships yes. and becoming close enough to each other that you can see when someone is drifting a little Amen. bit and caring enough to tell them and saying, you know, speak the truth yes. in love. Yes. And um, that's that's what the value of having women's groups that bond yes. Uh, yes. together. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's always that tendency to... Uh, you know, the, the lines get blurred with gossip and, mm-hmm. you know, handling things not in a biblical way. Because I think we can make justifications for all sorts of, well, it's not, it's not really gossip or that's not really this or that. And it's okay here. No, we've been given, again, mm-hmm. Matthew 18, if you have an offense with your brother or sister, you go to them. Mm-hmm. Um, what ad- one? Address it. You know, don't seek their humiliation. Right. Seek restoration. Seek... Uh, you know, rejuvenation, there's, a, there's been a break in the relationship. Seek that out. You don't want to see that, that even though they've hurt you. And this is the counterculture thing, too, is the, the opposite of vengeance, right? Mm-hmm. Church discipline is not about vengeance. It's about mm-hmm. restoration. Yes. It's not about avenging your rightness, you know, in a matter, right? So anyway, that's, a, that's another tangent that we could chase. But thank you for bringing that in. Uh, any other thoughts about Titus 2? So there's one more phrase in there um, that the Lord really dealt with me a lot in different ways through the years is that working at home. And one of the things that I've been convicted about is like that will mean we spend some amount of time at home. And we all have really busy lives, Yes. Uh, especially once you have children. You can be running all over the place. But... I always, and this isn't even a scripture, but it's biblical, is uh, good. the good is the enemy of the best. And mm-hmm. so I'm just constantly asking myself, what am I doing that looks good, but is keeping me from doing these things that God would have me do? Mm-hmm. So if my home is just chaos because I'm never there, then I need to figure out what good things mm-hmm. I'm doing that I need to let go of. Evaluate mm-hmm. uh, and, and cut loose something. Yeah, yes. that's a good word. Interesting, interesting thought there. Yeah, okay, so those are basically the three key texts. There's so many others that we could go to, but that would turn our podcast into two hours or more. (laughs) Um, So we have the Genesis 2, 1 and 2, where God created creation in a particular way. It was good. Sin enters very quickly, Genesis 3, and these... uh, it becomes the battle of the sexes, really, you know, in a very real way. Um, a woman will be turned against the man. 
there will be this un, uh, ungodly desire to rule from a man and to dominate in an unhealthy way and a, and a woman's desire to subvert and, and all of these things. And then we're living still in light of that. That hasn't been changed. That hasn't been corrected. So even as we fast forward to the New Testament, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We regenerate, but we're not free from these tendencies until the new creation comes, we'll be free of these tendencies. But we still battle, even as Christian spouses, these two, yes. comp- they can seem competing at times. And we're not content, to use your word, Natalie, mm-hmm. to let them be what they are mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a godly way. So uh, as we kind of draw this uh, podcast to a close, we're at the 50-minute mark, and we'll kind of close down with a couple of a couple of questions to discuss that may be a little bit more practical. We've talked about some practical things already. Um, But let me just toss this out. In what ways is biblical womanhood difficult to maintain in today's culture? And I know that's kind of a broad question, but each of you three ladies have different life experiences. Y'all have come through uh, various stages of life for one thing, but also you've experienced, maybe you haven't had all three of the same experiences um, as a woman. And so I would love to just ask you, and I'm really going to let the, let y'all kind of discuss this for a moment, but what are some difficult uh, ways or what are, what are ways that our culture makes it difficult for you to remain or to pursue biblical womanhood and not fall into what would be maybe easier it's hard. Would you agree? Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> it would be so easy to just kind of live and let live and just be like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a good Christian woman, you know, by my standard. I can, you know, that would be easy to do. But anything that, that God desires for us is always more difficult to do, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm going to leave this open question for y'all. In the early 60s, when I was in the seventh grade, uh, my English teacher, who was a single woman, uh, assigned us to write a paper on what a research paper on what we wanted to do for a career, and we did a preliminary paper. And my ambition at that time was to be a wife and mother. And when I turned in my preliminary paper, she said, "That's not acceptable in today's society. A woman has to have a career." Wow. So I made it. I did a paper on physical therapy, which I had really no interest in, but I chose it and did my paper and got my grade on it. But the, that same attitude has persisted and grown that a woman has to have a career. Yeah. She, she cannot stay home and, and just be a wife and mother. Just be a wife and mother. Yeah. And that's, it, that's presented in such yes, a negative light. It's not, re- it's not realized and yeah. recognized that that is the best thing a woman can be, the most important role a woman can take. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard for our young women today to even think of that, consider that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, so what I, I would say is for me, and I, I, I may get pushed back for this, but, um, I stay off of social media. It kind of I yeah. I learned early on that it 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 sways me and I I need to stay grounded. <laughs> and and where you were saying Linda like your career, my career is my yes. family. Yes. And I when you know when you go and fill out your doctor's paperwork for your kids, what is your occupation? I proudly put I'm a homemaker. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That is my career. That is what I do. And I love it. I really do. I, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, but as far as the, I just, I do stay away from social media and I don't, I, I, I feel when I first got onto like Facebook, I felt like a bad mom. Like all these people are putting the, I know it's the best that they're putting out there, but it can't, yeah, it will affect, pr- yes, it's a, a false, it's a false picture. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Right. So I could, that's my practical Mm. advice that's a good word (laughs) it is good yeah I um I remember my grandmother so I grew up like always my whole life I wanted to be a teacher I would put my stuffed animals down on the floor and write worksheets and then I would (laughs) do the worksheets and purposely miss some so I could put red x (laughs) yes I was not Uh, expecting that (laughs) awesome (laughs) and so my family watched me you know grow up talking about being a 
teacher, well, I did, I, I married at 17, I went to college, but I only went to college for a year and a half before I realized, oh, this isn't um, what I, what I want to do. And I still did not know uh, what I was going to do, but eventually, you know, I had children, I started homeschooling, and um, I remember my grandmother saying to me one day, it's just, you're such a good teacher, it's just a shame that you're not doing that for a living. And I, I looked at her and I said, oh, I'm, I'm doing it for the best purpose. Like God gave me the best opportunity to teach. I get to teach and train my children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times we minimize the things that we do in, in the home. The, um, you know, so you're not an interior decorator that's getting paid to decorate your home, but you put nice, pretty little pillows on the couch mm-hmm. and, you know, try, you know, all these things you, you cook meal. You're not a chef. You don't get paid for being a chef, but you put, you know, good meals uh, mm-hmm. on your table. Mm-hmm. We should not minimize right. the things that we do just because we're not getting paid for them. Mm-hmm. We're not getting exactly. that pat on the back. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's wow. That's really good. And I would say that you ought to be getting that pat on the back. Mm-hmm. And you know who that is? That is your husband. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's our, and again, that's the other side of this conversation is that the, the husband and the father, the the man of the house is that, um, fuel for you ought to be, to be that, Mm -hmm. uh, to be loving you and to be equipping you and giving you everything you need to accomplish those uh, homemaking roles. Um, you should not be hindered from doing that. Right. Yes. And mm-hmm. that's that's where I that's where my passion is. Jared's as well. We've had some talks about that, but um, we need men to be men again, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so that you guys can be women again. Yes. Right. You know. And I know that sounds trite, but mm-hmm. really, that's that's kind of the bottom line here. So. Right. Well, and I think Royce and I did not. Um, we didn't come into this um, having any kind of standards. We didn't grow up in Christian homes. We didn't know what it was supposed to look like. Mm. And honestly, I was a feminist, and he was a supporter of feminists, of wow. feminism. And wow. so it took a while of God just teaching us. And the more we read the Bible, the more we started seeing, oh, what we're doing doesn't line up with what God's Word says. But it was we had the hardest time finding people that would help us. Like we didn't see models for that. Even in our churches, we did not see models. Um, it was still, you know, yep. pursue careers out of the home and, yep. you know, don't, don't be held back. I remember working for Mission Arlington one time and I uh, told her, I said, my husband has told me I need to quit this. I, I need to stop. And, and she said, well, normally, I don't let women give that as a reason just because their husband said. And I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter what you let or not. <laughs> That's what's going to happen wow. here. <laughs> yeah, well, good for you for that. Um, actually, ma'am, <laughs> exactly. uh, I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it was just years yeah. of yeah. like walking that out. And, yeah. wow. uh, and Elizabeth Elliott, I, my mentors were in books. Corey yeah. Ten Boom, Elizabeth Elliot. Oh yeah. Um, hey, some of the Edith most influential Schaefer. men in my life have been dead for many years. Yes. <laughs> and I meet them, and I talk with them, and I argue with them <laughs> yes. by flipping pages. And I don't say that lightly. I do argue uh, with them often. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Another another tangent. Okay. Um, so, just in what ways is biblical womanhood difficult to maintain in today's culture? I, I think we would all agree that. The biblical way for women to be women in God's in God's eyes is the exact opposite, um, and and to promote it is to actually be um, perceived kind of as like an enemy of sorts. Or uh, enemy is probably not the best word. Maybe you guys can help me with a, a word that. But it's it's antithetical. It's it's opposite, and it's not opposite in like you do your thing and I'll do my thing. It's opposite, but with with uh, with anger. You used anger um, earlier, and there is an anger when you see, um, and you've lived this world. But when you see it from the outside, you see the the entire community of feminism. It's just a a bunch of angry. Uh, vicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to be very uh, cordial here, but there, there is not a peacefulness yeah. or a, um, a womanliness even within that world. 
Helen Reddy's song, I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar. I used to go okay, around singing that all the time. That <laughs> yeah, was my yeah. theme song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, we can laugh and, and, and about that, but the reality is, is that our young ladies today, mm-hmm. our girls, um, are being raised in, in an environment, um, if they're in the public school system, and even on so- social media is... Mm-hmm. is the absolute worst thing. Yeah. TikTok, mm-hmm. um, it destroys the concept of manhood and womanhood. Yes. Absolutely. And it's it's directed at it. And I could yeah. go off on a tangent there, but Me too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Me so too. <laughs> uh, but but I would say that social media today and the mm-hmm. internet we can sound like old fogies here, mm-hmm. but that's okay. This is our podcast. I'm okay. I'm okay being old. <laughs> Uh, we really, really ought to think more carefully about yeah. what we expose our young people to, right. yes. um, specifically in that realm. But yeah. okay, mm-hmm. so let's move on to a second question as we're wrapping things up. What are some ways? Uh, frame this question in your minds as if you were giving counsel to a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old young lady. So think about it in that way. What are some ways to remain resilient? and steadfast on these biblical convictions that we've talked about regarding womanhood. Um, Linda, you have some real-world experience with this specifically, and so do you, um, Tricia, with, you have, I'm, I'm sorry, you have two children or three or five? Okay, I know you had several. I, I haven't met all of them, so it's hard to me to put, yes. put faces to names there. You have a few. Yeah. <laughs> and how many girls? Uh, three girls. Three girls. And two boys. Now, you're a boy mom. I'm a boy mom. And so <laughs> you have a little different perspective. I'm a boy mom and as well, you just are, one. <laughs> you are a boy mom. I did know that. But you have had some real-world experience with uh, mentoring mm-hmm. this young lady right. who's not even your biological daughter, right. but really right. has kind of become uh, in some mm-hmm. ways, I bet. So right. let's just talk That's about good. this. What advice from a biblical perspective, how, how, can, how can you fight against that pressure and remain resilient? In, First in thing is to be sure as you if as you develop a relationship with a man that he is a Christian man. Oh, okay. Because Good. I did not know until I met David. David and I've been married twenty three years now, so you can do the math. It it was late in life when we found each other. I did not know the difference it made to have the covering of a godly man over you as a woman, and it just it makes makes everything easier. It makes it work. And so be sure that I thought the man I married first was a Christian, but he was not. And it made all the difference. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Very good. You other ladies? Um, so God expects us to be obedient to him. We get, we get messed up with worrying about what... What's going to happen if I do this thing? But God's the one in charge of what happens next. So we're only responsible for walking obedience to the word. And you can only know that if you read his word. I know so many women that just make that an optional thing. They just think going to church is enough mm-hmm. or having participating in, in a ladies Bible study where they read a book, a book. Yeah. The, where the author has read God's word. <laughs> You're getting God's word kind of third hand in yes. a way. Commentary. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so what you are is you're at the mercy of what other people tell you God's word says um, instead of what God's word actually says. That's and when we walk word. in obedience to what he says, then he will do what is good and right. Yes. Wow. That sometimes it doesn't look, sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes that, that's one of the things I say, God, I just don't like this. Mm-hmm. And, and his answer is, that's okay. You don't have to like, like it. Mm-hmm. You just have to trust me. Right. <laughs> right. Lord, mm-hmm. I believe, help me in my unbelief. Yes. 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 <laughs> okay, man, that's some excellent stuff. I, I would just agree. Just, that's kind of what I was had in mind. You, you need to know what God said. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, I mean, you, you must study and read and, know what those biblical convictions are how are you going to know if you if you don't open and read and yeah. and again it is I, I i go back to that you what you put in will come out so if you're if you stay oh, you good. need to stay grounded you need to have the word 
you read it, read over you, sermon. I mean, because if that will, that will, that's your convictions there. If not, your convictions are within your fallen self that are, or whatever else you're putting in, social media or whatever. That's, so yes, what you put in will come out. Yeah, absolutely mm -hmm, so. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's some really good stuff. Mm -hmm. Any other closing comments? Um, you know, I've, by the way, thank you all again for agreeing to do this conversation. I have thoroughly enjoyed it myself. Hope that y'all have too. I know there was a little was nerves fun. there at the beginning. It's always nervous or nerve wracking deep behind a microphone, no matter where you are. I yes. get that. <laughs> so I thank you for mm -hmm. taking your time uh, and, and just devoting, you know, a little bit of your day to benefiting maybe even one person that listens to this, encouraging a young lady or even an older lady. Uh, maybe someone who's married, maybe who, who's not, who's looking. Um, Linda, I'm, I'm thankful for your, your comments about the uh, affirming the design that God has set is for us to be um, equally yoked in the sense that finding a spouse that is going to live in a godly way. Uh, and the only way that that can happen is if they are regenerate, <laughs> if they are True. Christians. Yes. Uh -huh. um, it's not mere moralism that we're not just being a good person. Anyone can do that, you know, to a, to whatever degree, but it is truly within the, the realm of, uh, the family of God, you know, regenerate born again, believers being yoked together in union under Christ, um, covenanting themselves together that really these two roles can flourish and it's how they're designed to be, uh, to be lived out. Yes. So, right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you all for the conversation today. And that's probably going to wrap things up for us. We've been going at it for plenty of time. And well, you put a bunch of women around to talk. Uh, We're going to talk. And, and <laughs> it was my fault. I have a one and a half page, you know, notes. And I, I knew that that would probably lengthen things today. But listener, thanks. If you've stuck around this long, thank you for listening to this hour long conversation. Uh, that's it, though, for today. And thank you for taking your time to listen to the podcast. We surely hope, and I know that I can speak for these three ladies, we hope it's been a blessing to you in some way. Don't forget, though, before you go, like or share the podcast. Uh, you can share it through social media. I know we've talked about that already, but social media can be used for good. And yes, this is one way. Yeah, share, I will say that. I've said a lot of negative, but there the are podcast. some good. Yes. yes. So if you're on <laughs> Facebook or if you're on whatever else you are, share this and get this out. Um, uh, like the podcast on the podcatcher that you listen to. You can even add a comment on, on Podbean and those types of things. And lastly, um, if you'd like for us to potentially look at a question to answer at a future podcast, go to our church website, bbcemory.org. Go to the media tab, scroll to the bottom of the page, and there's a place that you could submit us a question. But as usual, until next time, grace and peace be with you all.